Welcome to Seeking Christ in the Scriptures, the teaching and preaching podcast from McConnell Road Baptist Church in Greensboro, North Carolina. My name is Matthew Tilly, and I'm the pastor of McConnell Road Baptist, and we're glad that you've joined us for this podcast. If you'd like to learn more about the church, please visit us online at mcconnellroadbaptist.org. That image that I have in my head of what church discipline is, because the way I've grown up and where I've all been through, it's, it's a painful kind of, ooh, let's stay away from that if we can. We want to avoid all that. But what you're going to see here is our Savior. If you were to actually go back to verses 12, 13, and 14, you remember this from last week where we saw the shepherd's heart? What does he do? He goes after that one sheep. He pursues them to the ends of the earth. He finds them to be so valuable, he will, go, he will spare no expense to go after that one. That's the shepherd's heart. That's my Savior's heart for me and for you. Now think about this. We're supposed to be his church. We're supposed to have that heart ourselves. What does that look like if we have the shepherd's heart as the church to pursue his little ones to the ends of the earth, to be willing to sacrifice anything it takes to do that? That's what this is looking like. I want you to keep that in mind as we go through this. So, so again, just to keep, in, keep it in perspective, tonight I'm going to just preach to you a little bit. Two Sundays from now, we're going to have a conversation about this. I hope you're thinking about it. Now, I, I know y'all got work and all kinds of stuff, but I'm giving you two weeks to do the assignment. You got two weeks. Just take a few minutes between now and then to think on it a little bit and plan to come for that conversation. Can, y'all, can I at least get a nod or a holy grunt from somebody? Say, you're going to do it. All right, I heard a grunt or two. I'm good with that. That works. All right, let's do this. And we'll pray, we're going to look at the passage, and we'll, we'll preach to you. Let's pray. Lord, I need your help tonight as I try to help uh, your folks to understand your heart and the, the requirements, certainly the, the joy and the pleasure, but also the requirements that's on us to pursue those who have fallen into sin, who have lost their way. Help us to take these requirements and this joy and this pleasure to heart. We love you, Lord. In Jesus' name I'm praying. Amen. Amen. We're in Matthew chapter 18. I'm just going to read the passage. I think it would be very helpful to read the passage and then come back and give you some thoughts from it. I want to start in Matthew chapter 18, verse 15. Um, and he says there, and again, remember, he's, he is, uh, he's just finished the conversation about the shepherd pursuing the sheep in verses 12, 13, 14. And then he says in verse 15, Moreover, if thy brother shall trespass against thee, Go and tell him his fault between thee and him alone. If he shall hear thee, thou hast gained thy brother. But if he will not hear thee, then take thee, take with thee one or two more, that in the mouth of two or three witnesses every word may be established. And if he shall neglect to hear them, tell it to the church. But if he neglect to hear the church, let him be unto thee as an heathen man and a publican. Verily I say unto you, Whatsoever ye shall bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatsoever ye shall loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Again I say unto you, that if two, or th- if two of you shall agree on earth as touching anything that they shall ask, it shall be done for them of my Father which is in heaven. For where two or three are gathered in- together in my name, there am I in the midst of them. He begins by saying, as we're talking about this idea of 
I'm just going to use the term church discipline because we know what that is, but it's this idea of pursuing that lost one, that little one, that brother or sister who's gone into sin, who has lost their way. As we pursue them, he begins to saying, listen, you've got a goal in mind. I want you to look with me in verse, uh, verse 15 where he says, he says, listen, when you go after him, he says there, if he shall hear thee, this is the last phrase, thou hast gained thy brother. There's a goal in mind. The goal here is gaining your brother. Now he does say in verse 15, he says, if they shall trespass against thee. So the word trespass, you can think of it as sin. So we are specifically talking about sin here. We're not just talking about, I have a petty difference with him or her. Let's, let's be honest about this. A lot of the times, a lot of things that end up, I'll call it blowing up as church discipline matters, start as petty differences between people. And that's foolishness, and it ought not be the case. What we've got to do as believers, as we're talking about petty differences, and we're going to have them, there's stuff, there's stuff I don't like about y'all, stuff you don't like about me, that's just how it is. We're all, all God's children got their warts and bumps, don't they? And if you don't, well, you probably got more than the rest of us. I can promise you that. We just all have that, but what we've got to do as Christians is we've got to learn to overlook those things. We really do. This is what we're talking about. See, here's the problem. This is what happens in the modern church. We overlook sin. Here's somebody coming in who is absolutely against God's Word, but we're turning a blind eye to it. But the minute that you sit in my seat, oh my goodness, it's on. Do you understand how weird that is? That's, God has told us, overlook the stuff that y'all have little petty differences, but it's the sin I'm worried about. We've got to learn to love, forgive, put up with each other a little bit more. We've got to quit, can I just put it to you, quit being so offended by everything. Everything. We all get offended by everything. Now, <laughs> y'all got to hear me. We need to try not to be so offensive, too. So, I mean, it's a balanced question here. I understand that. But we need to start by saying, little, the petty, petty differences are not what's in view here. It's actually sin that we have in mind. And when there's sin, that's the time that the church needs to act. Because why? You go back, remember, the, remember what Jesus says about somebody who offends or causes, to a, causes a little one to sin? Remember what he said? He said, you're better off just putting a stone around your neck and jumping off in the middle of the sea. You're better off. He says, I don't want my little ones to be caused to sin. So whenever a believer sins, that's a big deal to God. That's important to him. So he's going to go and spare no expense to go chase them around the world if he's got to. Y'all remember Jonah? Jonah went the wrong way. What did he do? God didn't say, well, he'll be back. No, he chased him. He got him into the belly of the fish and he pulled him where he wanted him to go. That's what he does to us. He will pursue us. So therefore, as a church, when we see a brother or a sister starting to go into sin, going down the wrong path, being drawn the wrong direction, not being as faithful as they once were, clearly participating or being part of things that we know that they ought not be part of, it's time to act. That's the Savior's heart. He wants to protect his little ones from sin. That ought to be our heart. Not how do, you, how do I get you to do what I want you to do, but how do I protect you from sin? That ought to be our heart. To the point where confronting sin ought to be the norm. Look at what he says there in verse 15. He says, moreover, if thy brother trespass against thee. So he sinned. Go and tell him of his, him fault, his fault between thee and him alone. 
that little phrase, go and tell him his fault between them thee and him alone, ought to be the norm. What is the norm, unfortunately, in the average, ordinary, Baptist, well, most churches, but let's just, we're Baptists, so we'll play Baptist churches. What's the norm? Tell every, y'all know it. Y'all know it. Everybody else. Can you believe, can you believe, Mary, what Wendy's been up to? That's, this is what we do. This is what we do. We see a brother, we see a sister in sin. We don't go talk to them about it. We go talk to everybody else about it. Or, or the modern thing we do. We put that little cryptic thing on Facebook or on Twitter or wherever you do your, your stuff. We put that little cryptic thing. You know how some people, when they do this, and you're talking about somebody else, but nobody knows that, but that's your way of venting about their mess. And y'all don't have to say amen. I, I know what's going on. I know what's going on. But the Bible says in Galatians chapter 6, verse 1, if a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, restore such an one in a spirit of meekness. Now he does say, go on to say, you've got to be careful and make sure you're approaching it the right way. But let me just start by saying, we ought to develop a culture within our church that says, we help one another. I, <laughs> I know it's not going to be comfortable if you get a phone call from somebody that says, you know, your spirit just hadn't been right lately at church. Is there something wrong? Is there any way I can help you? Now, I know most of us, our, our back would get sabot up, wouldn't it? Again, I, you don't have to say amen. I know it would. Can you believe he called me and told me that? Wouldn't that, wouldn't that be the case? Couldn't that be the case? But wouldn't it be great if we actually had a culture where we could do that? And not only could we do it, we knew that people doing that to us actually weren't trying to get some gossip on us, but were actually trying to restore us, trying to help us, trying to protect us. It just, just like you, you do this with your children. I've got teenage and young adult children now, and there's some conversations you have to start having with people. And they don't understand all of what you're trying to do as a parent. To be honest, I don't understand all I'm trying to do as a parent, but I'm trying the best I can to protect my children. That's what I'm trying to do. Now, to be fair, I, I was a teenager once, and I got all mad when mom and daddy told me to do this and not do this. I know how that is. I understand it. But we have to understand, y'all are supposed to be grown folk, most of y'all. <laughs> You're supposed to be grown folk. You're supposed to know that God has your best interest in mind. He has put you involved in a church. Why are you a member of a church? Think about this. Why are you a member of a church to begin with if you're not willing to submit to people speaking into your lives? Why are you a member of a church to begin with if you don't want these brothers and sisters to hold you accountable for things? Why are you a member of a church? I, I mean, I'm genuinely asking that question. You need to have an answer for that. If all you want is a place to come and sit and sit on the pew and we don't charge you anything, if that's all you want, if you just want to come to a place that, that lets somebody preach at you and sing some songs at you, I can tell you, there are a lot of places you can go to do that. And furthermore, you know, y'all can do it here. We're not going to force you to be a member. So why would you want to go through the challenge and the trouble and the effort to be a member here? And you say, well, I don't know. I guess that's what I'm supposed to do. Well, <laughs> y'all need to think about this. This is what membership in a church means, is that you are part of a family that cares about you, that actually is going to go the extra mile, is going to ask the uncomfortable question and say, what's going on? 
I saw you doing this thing. Can you stop doing this thing? Can you stop saying this? I've heard these things about you, and I want you to know that I'm hearing this, and I want to know if there's any truth to it. If there is, I want to help you with this. Not with the wag of the finger, but with the, with the, with the, the hug of an arm, if I can say it that way. To go ahead and say, I'm, just, I'm here to help you. I'm actually here to help you. We need to develop these kinds of relationships Can I go one step further and say that you can't have that kind of input in your life if you keep everybody at arm's length? If everybody in this church is your church friends, and y'all know what that means, don't let them know what we're really up to. Don't let them know our real lives. Don't let them know what we really think. We're just going to grin and nod and shake hands at church. That's what we do when COVID's over. Uh, but we're going to grin and nod and shake hands. That's what we do. How you doing? I will see you next Sunday. If If you do that... Nobody can speak into your life. Nobody can. If, if every time the preacher calls on the phone, oh my goodness, he's, he's looking in on me. Well, I've got to come up with a good cover story. If that's your attitude, instead of one that says, listen, I want people to look out for me, to look over for me, to help me out. It's for our good. It's for my protection. We need to develop that. We need to be open to that. And furthermore, as other believers that are trying to help those that are in sin, we need to come at this and say, listen, I'm just trying to restore it. So what he says there in verse 15, if, he, if this all works, thou hast gained a brother. We're trying to win people back. We're trying to restore them. We're trying to reconcile it. If you're coming at this problem, when I see a brother in sin, if your attitude is, ha ha, got him now. If your attitude is, I'm going to nail him to the wall. If your attitude is, I'm going to show him that I'm a better Christian than he is, or some version of that, you've got this thing wrong. Instead, your job is not to judge, to punish, or to shame. Your job is to win him back, protect him, get him out of the middle of the road, get him out of, the, out of traffic, get him out of the harm's way, get him out of the devil's crosshairs. That's your job. And that's a different approach, that's a different attitude than... I'm going to hurt him, I'm going to fix him, I'm going to set him straight. You understand that? Now he says the goal is to first gain a brother. But then he goes on in verse 16, he says here, if he will not hear thee, he says, your brother might be stubborn. He's not, he may not listen to you. Y'all ever had people do that to you? You go talk to them about something and they ain't changing their mind, they're not budging, they're not giving in, they're not giving up at all. Well, he says, that's going to happen. He says, if he will not hear thee, then take with thee one or two more that in the mouth of two or three witnesses, every word may be established. Now he says here, if if you go to this brother and you talk to him and it doesn't go anywhere, but you still have a heart for him, you're still concerned for him, you believe that he needs some help, you need to take some, he uses the word witnesses here. Now the witnesses here are not to gang up on the brother. That's not the point. You're not taking your posse over there to beat them up. That's not the point. And, and, and <laughs> that's, not the, that's not the point. I know that sometimes it comes across that way, but that should never be the attitude. That should not be the approach. And it, we, we need to check ourselves and make sure that's not why. Why are we taking the witnesses? Look what he says, that every word may be established. Every word may be established. Here's what we're trying to do. We're trying to be clear. We're trying to be clear. Because what, you see... This sin is so serious. Jesus said it was so serious that if somebody causes another brother to sin, he might as well just go ahead and jump off into the middle of the ocean with a concrete block around his neck. He said he might as well. It's that serious to the Lord. So it's serious enough to us to say, 
we want to be clear in what we're trying to do here. We want to be clear. This is going to have, we, we believe that this is not just one man's opinion. We believe that this is what the Word of God says, and we are really, as a congregation, worried about your soul. That's what we're trying to do. This is too important to allow petty people to rule. Can I go ahead and say it this way? We're not trying to go on witch hunts, going around and trying to yank everybody around. That's not the point. So I'm going to get my boys to go with me to this guy so we can set him straight. That's not the goal here. So it's not about letting petty people rule, nor is it about letting cowardly people hide. I'm speaking very boldly because right now I'm trying my best to get myself to this place where I'm being as bold as I'm preaching to you. And I know I'm not being as bold as I'm preaching to you. I know that. We have real, serious sin issues that occur from time to time in this congregation. You may say, oh my goodness, sin this. If you're thinking like that, you don't understand that we're real people. We're regular folk. We have regular sin. I'm not talking about something that's going to create you know, the end of the world, but it's the kind of sin that Jesus says, you might as well go ahead and throw yourself in the middle of the ocean because it's that bad. That's the kind of stuff we're talking about. And we need to not look the other way because you know what the easy thing to do is? I don't see anything. If I don't know about it, I don't have to do anything about it. Ain't that, is that not easy? It, it is easy for me. That's what I want to do. But this is too important. We need to be clear. We are not a, we're not going to allow petty people to run rampant over this, nor are we going to allow ourselves to be cowardly people and hide in the dark over this. We want to be clear. He says, listen, he won't listen to you the first time. When you go to him, you need to bring some people with you so that it is established, so that the, that the level of seriousness is increased, so that the level of, of clarity, documentation, if need be, that that is done at that point. Then he goes on in verse 17, he says, now if he shall neglect to hear them, tell it to the church. And he says, listen, at this point he's just stonewalling you. He's, got an, he's, 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 he's set in his ways. He's, he's clearly in sin and he knows it, or if he doesn't know it, he is willfully ignorant of it at this point. Because he's been told once, he's got witnesses that come to him, made it clear, and he says, no, I'm not interested. He is, he is, he is set in stone here. He is stonewalling. He says, well, if that's the case, you need to let the church know about it. Whether he is being silent by not answering the requests or openly disobedient by saying, no, I'm going to continue doing what I'm doing. Either way, it's time to deal with that. You're bringing it, he says, let them, if, 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 tell it to the church. If he neglect to hear the church, let him be unto thee as a heathen man and a publican. At that point, it's no longer we're just trying to help a brother in a corner somewhere, just trying to help him. We're now trying to say, listen, this person is part of our congregation. This person is one of our flock, and we are going to do the best we can to help him. But he's, and I'm saying him, it can be a woman too, by the way. I keep saying him. It can be a man, it can be a woman, it could be your pastor, it could be a deacon, it could be a Sunday school teacher. There's nobody in this congregation that is, if I can say it this way, that is above that law. We are all under this. And more to the point, it's not just a law. This is actually should be, as I've tried to make it clear, this should be something you want. Your heart should be one that says, I want to do this. And if you don't want to do this, that's a problem. And I mean that to every person, again, myself included. I'm, there's nobody that's outside of this. But he says here, if that 
person is stonewalling, he's openly or silently disobedient, it's time to deal with him. He says there, you're going to let him be unto thee as a heathen man and a publican. See, first our goal is to gain the brother. Then our goal is to be clear. And then finally this goal is to identify the truth. We need to call things as they are. What this man in this case, this instance that Jesus is giving, here's a man who is showing himself to be a non-Christian. He is showing himself not to be a little one of Jesus. He is showing himself to be, he uses the words, a heathen man and a publican. He is showing himself. You say, well, we, we don't want to do all that because that might ruin his or her reputation. We don't want to do all that because we, we're, we're just, we're just, we don't want to give him a bad name. If we're following the scripture here, the way that we're reading this, this is not about giving anybody a bad name. This is not about, about giving a bad reputation. This is about giving an accurate representation of the truth. Here's the problem. We have too many people in churches, at least in the churches that I'm aware of, we have too many people sitting in churches, members in good standing, who people know good and well, they are not living as a Christian. Yet they go around town saying, I'm a member of whatever church. And the church is saying, he's a good old boy, he still gives a little bit of money in the church, and we're doing nothing. We are lying. The church is lying when we do that. What we're supposed to do is not sit here and say, well, you're a sinner, you're a sinner, you're a sinner. Well, of course we're sinners. What we're trying to say is, are you part of this church or not? Are you part of this or not? Because church membership is not a status symbol. Unfortunately, it has become that in the recent decades, but I'm going to tell you that time is coming real, real soon, probably sooner and faster than we would like to admit it, that your church membership will actually be more of a signature on your death warrant than it will be a status symbol. So what we need to be clear with each other is we know who we are. Now, please understand, you need to hear what I just said, what I'm hearing right now, but don't forget what I was preaching this morning. This doesn't mean we stop loving people. <laughs> don't miss that. We're loving them all the way. What we're doing is we're calling a spade a spade. They're either a Christian, they're either a believer, they are on, they're, they're with us, or they are not with us. So our goal is to identify the truth not a status symbol it's actually a reflection your membership of this church is actually a reflection of whether or not you are a disciple of jesus christ that's what this church is supposed to do we're about following jesus matthew 28 what is it we're supposed to go tell everybody about jesus we're supposed to tell everybody to follow him tell them what he told us to do that's what we're supposed to be about it's not about seeing how big the church roles can get we get no prizes for big church roles get no prizes for that we instead need to be doing what our master has told us to do and make sure that we are accurately reflecting the Lord. Now, why are we going to do that? Why do we want to gain the brother? Why do we want to be clear? Why do we want to accurately identify the truth? Why is that? Well, because we, as a church of Jesus Christ, represent the Savior. We represent the shepherd. Why does this matter so much? Why can't we just let stuff go? Well, this is not just me as a pastor representing you as people. This is not just you representing the 
whatever we got, I think we got 105, something like that, six members. Uh, just looking at Mary because she's our uh, clerk. Somewhere 100, 100, 10-something. Uh, we got that. It's not, we're not just representing the 100-something people. That's not what we're doing. You may think, well, well, I thought we were congregationally led. Yeah, that's the kind of church government we have. We vote on stuff. We do all that. But we ultimately don't represent each other. You know who we represent? We represent Jesus Christ himself. This is the church of Jesus Christ. And in so doing, when we do things as a congregation, what do you know what we're actually doing? We are reflecting the will of heaven. This is what he says in verse 18. He says, Verily I say unto you, Whatsoever ye shall bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatsoever ye shall loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. He is saying, listen, church, what you do, you are saying to the world that what you're doing has heaven's stamp of approval on it. And if you think about it that way, I don't know what y'all think about that, but that scares me to death scares me to death some people some prosperity gospel preachers will take this verse and say you know you can claim it and god will make it so that's not what it's talking about it's literally saying you as a church are doing things here on this earth you're acting on the heaven's behalf and heaven is stamping the approval of that yep you're doing the right thing yes you're doing the right thing isn't that scary that we're saying that in what we're we whether whether we're doing right or not <laughs> Some of these churches and some of the things they preach and teach and believe, oh my goodness. And they say they represent Jesus Christ. I, I, will, I, would, I would be scared to death to stand before the Lord and say I was preaching that. If I was honest and I really paid attention to my own preaching, I, I might need to scale back on a few things and amp up a few other things because I'm going to be accountable in the same way that every other church is going to be accountable. You're going to be accountable you're going to be accountable for the kinds of pastors you put in this pulpit, the, the kinds of policies that you approve, the kinds of members that you allow to be members of this church. You're going to be accountable for those things, and we are representing heaven's will. You see, what happens in the church is a reflection of heaven. The worship that we do. The worship we do. Do you know that that's what happens in heaven? Revelation chapter 5. You go read it sometime. What, what's going on in heaven? They're worshiping Jesus. All we're doing right now when we get together three times a week in a small way is we're practice. It's heaven practice. That's really all it is. It's heaven practice. Now, good news is, just so y'all know, I, I won't be preaching in heaven. You'll, you'll have who, I don't have to preach anymore because you'll have Jesus there. I'm just trying to show you Jesus here. But you'll have him, so you don't need me anymore. You'll have Jesus, and that'll be wonderful. That'll be awesome. You know, even the salvation that we enjoy, it is a reflection of heaven. Hebrews chapter 9 talks about that all the things that Jesus did when he, when he died on the cross and when he saved my soul, all those things are actually representations on this earth of what actually happened in heaven. My salvation was effected in heaven. The evangelism that we do, the, the, the baptisms that we participate in, all of those things are reflections of heaven. We're not perfect, not suggesting that. We're going to get it wrong sometimes. We do. But God does give his people some sense. I want to point your attention to, you can turn there if you'd like, but note this passage down in 1 Corinthians chapter 6. He says in that passage, which the complaint that Paul was dealing with in 1 Corinthians chapter 6 was that the church members were suing each other. They were taking each other to court. And they're trying to get something out of each other at the court system. But I think the broader application is that God's people have 
the sense that they need to do the things that they're supposed to do. Uh, Peter talks about this in 2 Peter, that God gives us all things that are, that are necessary for, for living a godly life. That's what he says in 2 Peter chapter 1. But he says in, in 1 Corinthians 6, he says, Do ye not know that the saints shall judge the world? And if the world shall be judged by you, are you unworthy to judge the smallest matters? Know ye not that we shall judge angels? How much more things that pertain to this life? Now, don't get the, don't get the, the big head on me here. There's some people that just take this and go, go, to, go to seed on it. But don't miss the fact that you're the church of Jesus Christ. God died for you. He made you his church. He loves you. But he didn't love you to say, you just sit there, you pretty little thing, and sit on the corner and don't do anything. No, no. He says, I'm saving you to do work for me. I'm going to give you my Holy Spirit to give you the wisdom and the power to do what you need to do. He's giving us everything we need to do. And when it comes down to it, he says, I want you to, I want you to win back your brother. I want you to be clear in what you're trying to do. And I want, I want you to identify what is going on. I want you to identify the sheep from the goats. I want you to do that. That's what we're supposed to do. He's given us every bit of power, every bit of need, uh, things that we need in order to do that. So we're representing heaven's will. We're also acting on heaven's behalf. Verse 19, he says, If two of you shall agree on earth as touching anything that they shall ask, it shall be done for them of my Father which is in heaven. God is blessing the church's work. I believe that when you see churches that grow, you see churches see people come to Christ, when there's genuine conversions that are happening there, when they are baptizing people, when they have their young people grow up and they go off, whether they stay in the church or go to other churches, you see them continue to blossom and flourish. When you see that happening, that's not because the pastor was so smart, that wasn't because mom and daddy was so good, that's because God is blessing what that church is doing. That's what's going on there. So what we're doing is we are acting on God's behalf and he is going to either bless it or not. And you'll have to judge for yourself whether God has been blessing it or not. Y'all have been here longer than I have, most of you. So you'll know whether God has been blessing it or not. And if you say, well, God's been blessing it, well, let's don't stop. Let's keep doing it. And you say, well, maybe he's not been blessing it like he could. Okay, well, let's fix that. Let's act on heaven's behalf. It's an honor, a little scary, but it's an honor that we should not take lightly. And don't miss the fact that you have heaven's authority. I want you to see this in verse 20. For where two or three are gathered together in my name, there am I in the midst of them. Now a lot of times we think about that verse and we talk about it when we worship together, and I appreciate that there is application to that verse in this context, but the real essence of what Jesus is saying here is, listen, when the church acts together as a church, reflecting Jesus' teaching, the church has the authority of Jesus Christ. He is in the midst of those decisions. He is in the midst of those conversations. I mean, that means everything from whether we're buying a piece of property, calling a pastor, or dealing with a man or a woman or a couple or whatever it is that we need to deal with. When we do those things, we do them in unity. When we do them according to God's word, when we come together and make those decisions, we are having, we're acting on the authority that heaven has given to us. When we do those things, two or three of us can be in agreement, and we have heaven in the middle of that. The reason we do these things is because we represent the Savior. Now, I'm going to close here. I want to just remind you what I said. What does this mean for us? I'm preaching this. This is actually something that 
It's been on my mind for a long time. Finally kind of got the courage to put it together. Not just this idea of church discipline, but it really fits into a bigger scheme as we've talked about, about forgiveness. But I want you to think about this very personally. What does this mean for McConnell Road Baptist Church? First of all, membership needs to matter. We're not a cult. I don't want to be a cult. I don't even want to go down that road. We don't live in fear. But we do want to be discipled. We want to be encouraged together. That's what membership should mean. I try to emphasize this in the new members class, some of you that have been gone through that with me, that one of the benefits that you get as a member of this church is you get a pastor and you get deacons. That should be a benefit to you. Unfortunately, too many churches, that's not a benefit. That's just, oh, well, that's the guy that I go listen to preach. That's those deacons that always cause problems. That, that ought not be the case. It ought to be the case, and I believe that there's at least the heart of that here, if not the actions of that here. The heart is definitely here to be the kind of church where when you get to become a member, you get a pastor, and you get deacons. You get people who care about you. You get people. That is a benefit. We need membership to matter. We also need to pursue one another in Christian love a whole lot more than we do. Now, we've got to be wise about it. We've got to check our motives and our heart. We'll talk a little bit more about that in a couple weeks. We don't need to be petty but we do need to pursue one another in true Christian love. This is way too important of a task to ignore and to overlook. We've been given a mandate from heaven. We don't get many of those. We get a few of those. But when you get them, we take them seriously. At least we should. So in two weeks, between now and then, here's your assignment. If you haven't read the Constitution and Bylaws lately, it's riveting, I promise you. But seriously, you're going to want to go look at those. There is a section on there about what we call church discipline. I would encourage you to go look at that. I mean that. You say, well, I don't have a copy of it. I lost it. Uh, between me and Mary Ford, we can get you something. We'll get it to you somehow. Just let us know. We'll get it to you. But if you don't have it, let us know. But I want you to look, go back and look at that. And further, don't just look at it and just read that and be done because that's not the basis of our authority. That's just simply documenting what we believe. You need to go back to the, there's passages in there. Chase those down. Go back and study this passage I was just preaching to you about. That's a big, big basis of it. And then as you're reading the scripture, as you're reading the bylaws, think about what, what, what questions you have. Maybe you need to understand something more. That's fine. That's fine. Ask the questions. Let's talk about it. I'm not going to say I have the answers, but we can't answer questions we don't know that exist. Bring them up. Let's talk about them. Got questions? Let's bring them up. You've got, well, what about if this or that happens? Well, let's talk about that. Those are real situations. We, let's try not to name names in, a, in our church meetings. We're not going to do that because there's a whole process we need to do. You want to go to that, brother. But still, we want to talk about situations and circumstances. That's fine. Let's talk about those. Let's talk through those. What about this and what about that? That's fine. Let's do that. But I want you to come with questions. I want you to come with, with, with thoughts, with your, your impressions of this, and be prepared to have what we might call, I don't know if you all have them at your house, but every now and again we kind of sitting around a table or maybe sitting around the living room and just having a family conversation. I want to have that in two weeks. Now, I don't know if you all are going to be participating or not. The way you all are looking at me right now, I don't know if you will or not, but that's fine. I'm going to risk it. I'm going to risk it that the Lord will do a work in you and you'll be ready for it. But I want to ask you to go do that. For tonight, I'm going to pray. I'm going to close with prayer. 
And I'm praying specifically for God's conviction for me and for you, for God's courage to do what's right, and for God's wisdom to go about it the right way. Would you pray with me on that? If you want to stand, it would be good to go ahead and do that. We'll dismiss right after this. But I'm going to have that prayer right now. I want you to join me in that prayer as we pray for God's help. Lord, we've heard your word. I believe you're very clear and very plain. I hope I have not muddied the water at all. I hope I've simply presented the fact of the information that is there. I pray, Lord, that you will give us conviction. I don't think any of us really like to be convicted, but Lord, where we're wrong, we need you to point that out to us. Where we're failing, where we're lacking, please let us know. Please make it plain. Please make it clear. We want to be your church. We want to be the a church that is honoring to you, a church that pleases you. And Lord, you're going to have to show us where we're lacking on this particular matter, any matter for that matter, but particularly on this. Lord, we want to ask for uh, the courage to do what's right. This is not easy. This is going to be uncomfortable for some people. There are other people that may be a little bit too comfortable doing it, but Lord, even those people need courage to to get off of their petty differences and focus instead on the heart of the matter, the souls that are at risk. And Father, as we navigate all of this, we need your wisdom. We do not want to represent heaven uh, flippantly. We do not want to act on the authority that you've given to your church arrogantly. We want to do this with wisdom, with genuine love, and you're going to have to give that to us, Lord. We pray this in the name of my Savior, Jesus Christ. Thank you for joining us for Seeking Christ in the Scriptures, the teaching and preaching podcast from McConnell Road Baptist Church in Greensboro, North Carolina. I'm Pastor Matthew Tilly, and I'm so glad you joined us here. But if you'd like to learn more about the church, please visit us online at mcconnellroadbaptist.org.